the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. It is changing so fast out there uh, because I, I think, I think there is such pressure building on the Republicans to actually do something, to deliver on seven years of promises that uh, there's a lot of pressure being exerted on the Republican Party and wayward senators by the White House. We'll get into all of this coming up on the Chris Salcedo Show. 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. renewed focus. It's always been right up there at the tippy top to service you and what's going on in your life. But we're recommitting ourselves to this. And of course, covering healthcare, which affects every man, woman, and child within the sound of my voice. That is, um, that's pretty much par for the course right there. That, that, is, that is the holy grail of affecting everybody and your life. So uh, we'll continue to monitor what's going on with this constantly evolving and devolving situation. We'll get into the flip around. After I let you know how to get in touch with the show, if you uh, want to listen live, go to theblaze.com slash radio, Blaze Radio smartphone app, iHeartRadio app, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher for on-demand listening. Uh, getting in touch with the program, the social media, on Facebook, The Chris Salcedo Show, The Chris Salcedo Show, on Twitter, at Chris Salcedo TX, at C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X. Or if you want to um, drop an email off, you can do that on the Facebook page and go to theblaze.com, by the way. Blaze.com, in the channel section, you'll find our presence there on the Blaze main page. Uh, There's also, we've made a commitment not to cover news that doesn't affect your life. Not to partake in the smoke throwing when it comes to this Trump-Russia thing. Now, we will... If, if there is a blockbuster revelation, either that exonerates the president and his team or shows actual evidence, which we are a, over a year into the investigation, no evidence. If something breaks in that regard, then, of course, we'll bring it to you. But we will talk about what's going on with the Russia thing so we can make fun of the basket of biased press. We will talk about how big idiots they are being. And there is a narrative that's just cropped up that we will we will be able to proudly declare the idiocy of the basket of biased press. Speaking of idiocy, let's go with uh, CNN first on the flip around. There, th- he has the juice to make them worried based on what he said today, which is you should vote at least to get on this bill. That's gonna be, uh, that is currently, because of his comments, being put to the test. Let's listen. Speaking of these senators, they're they're meandering out of this uh, meeting here. Senator Johnson. So, fully supportive of that. These marks are collapsing. Uh, he made a strong case for uh, repeal and replace. Um, and so again, I, I completely support. It. I thought this was a really good uh, lunch, good meeting. You guys were fairly far apart on replace before that was scrapped. What's going to change this time around? 
I really do believe that uh, 52 Republican senators, uh, the vast majority of us, don't have the exact count, but probably 50 or more, uh, when we ran for election, we told our supporters, our voters, that uh, we were going to re repeal Obamacare, Obamacare and replace something that would work better. Yeah, Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin. Look, repeal was the initial for the first, you know, five and a half, six years. Then replace got thrown in there some sort of politically correct nod as if we actually need a massive entitlement program here. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. Now, uh, Mitch McConnell made the statement that everybody agrees that repeal and replace is the best way to go. Even Rand Paul agrees with replace as long as you replace it with freedom and liberty and not socialism. As long as you do that, then Rand Paul's on board. Uh, it remains to be seen whether or not that's going to happen. Let's get out to MSNBS. Seem to know how to protect their boss or, frankly, how to do their job. So you get the impression of a whole organization that uh, is, is completely dysfunctional. People can't seem to talk to one another. Everyone's afraid about being yelled at, etc. It seems like, frankly speaking, it seems like an internal mess going on right now. Yeah, that's Ambassador Chris Hill, who doesn't work for the Trump administration, is giving a... Uh, giving his evaluation of what he thinks is going on in the White House. Of course, you know, there, there's an old saying, it's not exactly analogous, but those who can't teach, and I, I've never, I never believe that because I believe there are a lot of capable teachers out there, but those who typically don't know what the hell are going on are the ones speaking the loudest, uh, uh, claiming they know what's going on. This guy has no idea what's going on in the Trump White House. Hey, let's see what Shepard Smith over at Fox News is covering. Chosen to be uh, somebody who spoke English and Japanese because of the fact that the president was in proximity to Shinzo Abe, who is the prime minister of Japan, and because Melania Trump was seated next to Putin, it does seem fairly natural that the president would likely go over and say hello to his wife and probably have a conversation with Putin. The discrepancy here is, what was the length of time that the two leaders talked, and what did they talk about? <laughs> this is... This is the, no, the, the nothing burger story, the Russia story of the day. This is and, and brought to you by the Fox News Channel and Shepard Smith's program, ladies and gentlemen. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. MSNBS and CNN are equally fixated on this. But here's the story. The, the German chancellor call, uh, invites world leaders to dinner at the G20 summit. And they show up with their spouses. And during the course of dinner, Donald Trump wanders over to Vladimir Putin and they have a conversation at dinner. And you heard, what was the length? What did they talk about? Now, now they're saying this was previously undisclosed. President's taking exception to that as he writes in a tweet earlier today, fake news story of secret dinner with Putin is sick. All G20 leaders and spouses were invited by the Chancellor of Germany. The press knew it. It was wide out there in the open for everybody to see. So the G20 leaders and their spouses, 40 people. So it's Donald Trump and Melania and 38 other people. Now, the, the, now, now listen to me. This is what CNN, MSNBS, and Shepard Smith over at Fox wants you to believe that it was a secret clandestine meeting that happened in broad view with cameras rolling and 38 other leaders and their spouses in the room. 
It was secret, though. It was secret and clandestine. <laughs> I mean, Trump goes on, he says, the fake news is becoming more and more dishonest. Even a dinner arranged for top 20 leaders in Germany is made to look sinister. I think he's on to something here. I mean, what the hell's next? You're going to see CNN. <laughs> breaking news, breaking news. Oh, the, uh, the Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin met at the urinal a, in the bathroom at the G20 summit. <gasps> what did they talk about as they were urinating? <laughs> I mean, seriously, it is ridiculous. Absolutely insane. Our buddy... Uh, Ruben Navarrete Jr. inspired me to put up the following meme. That's right there at the tippy top of the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. And it reads as follows. So Trump and Putin have this, quote, super secret, end quote, meeting in full view of the cameras and other world leaders at dinner during the G20. What's the big deal, CNN? They just talked about their grandchildren and golf. <laughs> <laughs> that meme is available for you, the Chris, my, my beloved audience here, the Chris Salcedo Show. Now look, as I said, I will not bring up insanity. I'm not going to defend what, what liberals in and out of the basket of biased press and Democrats in and out of the basket of biased press are trying to throw up there as a narrative and put the Trump administration on defense, I'm not going to deal with smoke. I will deal with fire from now on when it comes to this. And the only caveat, the only caveat is when we can make fun of the basket of biased press. And this, is, this clearly shows how unhinged they truly are. That meme, again, right there at the tippy top of the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. You go there, you can share and share alike. We'll start dealing with health care. Up next on the Chris Salcedo Show. In today's program, we've got not one, but two folks we're going to talk to about it. A Republican and a Democrat. Don't go anywhere. It's the Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. Keep up with the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on The Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to the Latino conservative Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network. A very interesting question was sent my way during the break by the uh, crack staff or the staff on crack, whichever way you want to look at it here at the, at the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, they asked who my favorite news source is. And I had to think about it for a second. Because in a, uh, lately, you know, I've I've had my guns trained on Shepard Smith because I believe he's he's joined the fray of irrational news coverage, uh, something he would never have dreamed of doing with the mountains of actual evidence during the Obama administration of wrongdoing, of uh, you know, and we're going to play these in the sound bites of Donald Trump coming up where. He reminds everybody of the promises that were made and all the lies the Democrats did to sell Obamacare. I mean, how, how can we not have this discussion? 
and talk about the, 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 the copious lies that were uttered to the American people upon the passage of this piece of garbage. Oh, but that's all in the rearview mirror. Now we got to focus on disparaging Trump because we don't like him or uh, anything that he does because we don't like him and thwarting what the Republicans do. Even though the socialism that was rammed down our throat was done so under, under lies. And, and Shepard Smith can't be bothered to bring up those lies. Well, that's old news to Shep Smith. Let's talk about some smoke. Let's talk about smoke and no fire. Let's talk about innu- innuendo and speculation. It's not news. It's not news, in my humble opinion. Uh, so I was forced to respond, and it just so happened we had a, a meeting about this here at The Blaze, where that question was answered about, about our news department here at The Blaze. And I, I had to respond, I think, I think we do it very well. well. Now we're not first, we're not breaking news. But I think we give the most balanced coverage. And, and to be frank, uh, as you know, in the opinion realm, there are a lot of folks at the blaze that are not exactly enamored with Donald Trump. And we have had our differences with the president as, as well. But everything that he's been doing so far, I'm, uh, I'm pretty much, as far as policy is concerned, I'm pretty much in favor of. So when I was asked about which news source do I, I trust, I guess writ large it's got to be the blaze and because of some of the shenanigans going on over at fox news uh, i am not immune to the changes although i've got to be frank i love tucker carlson i uh uh, so but he's not news he's opinion and, and all the news the news of the middle of the day folks i think they're they're fine from from fox and friends in the morning all the way up to the middle so i guess by and large, the only reason I focus on Shep is because he's on at the same damn time we are. <laughs> and so I'm, I am subjected to uh, MSNBC standards of journalism being emulated through Shepard Smith. And I do believe he's probably the lone example of this over at Fox. Uh, or with very, very rare exceptions. Unless you're, you're Ebony, but she's, she is on an opinion show, really, the, uh, the, uh, what do they call them? The oh man, it's a brand new show. I I don't want to get it wrong. It's Eric Bowling's new program. It's uh, it's not the experts. It's something called it's something else. Um, oh dang it! I knew I was going to do this. At any rate, she is a she is a progressive, and she makes no bones about it. She's an admitted progressive. So, I guess the Blaze is who I trust, along with Brett Barron's special report. <laughs> <laughs> and and again, a lot of the news programming during the day. I don't want to knock Bill Hemmer because I'm a big fan of Bill Hemmer and and Shannon Bream. I think they play it straight down the middle. Um, Fox and Friends, they they have a, they have an opinion though. I think that's more of a that's not a news show. That's a morning show. And those between Fox and Friends, and which by the way, I I am thoroughly entertained when I watch them. So from Fox and Friends. Um, on up until Shep, I, I don't really have a problem with the news presentation there. So I guess the Blaze and most of Fox, let's put it that way, most of Fox, which, by the way, might I say, used to be universally Fox until some of the changes that are going on around there that uh, I'm, uh, I'm treating a suspect. Now, my criticism of Shepard Smith's editorial choices aside, I find him to be a very capable newsman. As a matter of fact, I think I've made this 
this comment before on the air. When when news is breaking, uh, Bill Hemmer and Shep Smith are some of the best in the business on breaking news. When they're just delivering the news and their personal, well, not their, Shep Smith's personal biases can't be found. I haven't, I haven't seen Bill Hemmer's personal bias shine through. Uh, I'm, like I said, I'm a big fan. But I, I don't want to disparage Shepard Smith in toto. I think he's a fine breaking news journalist. Um, but when, when he's allowed to think about it and how much he uh, dislikes the current president of the United States, that comes beaming through. Uh, he doesn't have a very good poker face uh, hiding his disdain for the current Republican president. Uh, speaking of that president... Donald Trump reminding the GOP senators today at lunch of the joys of the socialism of Obamacare. I intend to keep my promise, and I know you will too. Since 2013, Obamacare premiums have skyrocketed. In Alaska, they went up over 200% recently. We know that. In Arizona, they've been up 118%. And those states are good compared to some of the numbers that are coming out. Despite the promise that premiums would decrease by $2,500 on average, they've actually increased by almost $3,000 and even much more than that in some cases. It's crushing the middle class and the families of the middle class. It's frankly crushing our country. Who can disagree with that? And of course, that's lost in the discussion as everybody's focused on a proposal. No one talks about the damage being done by the current Democrat legislation that is now law. They conveniently forget about the political party responsible for foisting this misery upon this country. And Donald Trump wanted to remind everybody. Obamacare was a big lie. You can keep your doctor, lie. You can keep your plan, lie. It was a lie directly from the president. You can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan, 28 times he said it. 28 times. Do, do you think Shepard Smith remembers that? Do you think he knows and understands that? I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a fair question. Do you think that Shepard Smith remembers the lies that gave us the, this law of the land? And it was a lie and he knew it was. And now it's hurting this country irreparably. Premiums are so high that 6.5 million Americans chose to pay a fine to the IRS instead of buying insurance, the famous mandate. We will pay not to take the insurance. People don't understand that. They don't even understand what it is or what it represents. If Obamacare is not repealed in 2018, over 1,300 counties in the United States will have only one insurer. Forty counties will have absolutely no coverage in the exchange, and that number will grow rapidly. And I think those numbers are extremely conservative. I think they're very low. I've been here just six months. I'm ready to act. I have pen in hand. Believe me, I'm sitting in that office. I have pen in hand. You never had that before. You know, for seven years you had an easy route. We'll repeal, we'll replace, and he's never going to sign it. <laughs> But I'm signing it, so it's a little bit different. All right, we'll talk with a sitting member of Congress, Michael Burgess, Republican, coming up next on The Chris Salcedo Show. Be right back. The Chris Salcedo Show will be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. 
The Chris Salcedo Show. Conservative Talk Radio with Spice. Coming up, we talk to a Democrat, but right now we talk to a Republican. Doctor and Congressman Michael Burgess, he represents the 26th district here in the great state of Texas. Congressman, welcome back to the Chris Salcedo Show. Good, good morning, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Okay, so you are well aware, well, actually I should say, we're, I think we're up to speed because everything is changing over there in the Senate uh, exponentially fast. Yeah. Uh, from what we're hearing now, Mitch McConnell wants to schedule a vote on straight repeal uh, to get these senators on the record, even though I'm under, my understanding is there's wheeling and dealing behind the scenes to resurrect what many of us view as a saving of Obamacare, a repair of Obamacare. How do you see it? Oh, it's not a repair of Obamacare, Chris. That's, that's not really a fair assessment. But the vote, as I understand it, next week will be on the motion to proceed. And a vote against the motion to proceed is a vote to preserve Obamacare. And that's really, I think the Wall Street Journal did a good job this morning in their lead editorial in, in drawing yeah. that, uh, that thesis out. And, and that is exactly what is on the table. And well, let, they, let me ask you this about, because and let me push back a little bit on the, on the idea that the Senate ideas, and again, we can talk about what the House offered, but before us right now is, is the Senate idea is to add $70 billion to the already $127 billion taxpayer-funded subsidy to the insurance companies, a payoff to the insurance companies. I, that, that is the failed Obamacare model where the taxpayers of the United States subsidize an industry. I, as a conservative, don't support that. Now, they tell me it's temporary, but you and I both know, Congressman, there's nothing more permanent than a temporary yeah. government program. Yeah, and that's the thing. You've got, I mean, you've got to get past what's happened with the expansion of Medicaid. This is, although you didn't like the House bill, that was a, a way to get on that uh, to get on that path. But realistically, Chris, and you may know more about this than I do, my understanding is Senator McConnell's vote will be a motion to proceed. Yes, it is the House bill that they will be bringing up, but then the ability to amend that to a repeal-only bill or to something else that the Senate wants to do, they will bring up the House bill on the motion to, to proceed. That, that's what the vote, my understanding, that's what the vote will be. But then under their Senate rules, I mean, they can, they can change that in any way that they want. And well, yeah, here's, here's um, deals. that's what's going on now. You're probably correct. I don't know. I don't have direct knowledge well, of that. Well, now, let me let me play the soundbite from McConnell yesterday. He said this is what's going to happen. Hold on. At the request of the president and the vice president, and after consulting with our members, we'll have the vote on the motion to proceed to the Obamacare repeal bill early next week. So as I hear that, it's a motion to proceed to the full repeal, which, of course, what is it, Murkowski, it's uh, uh, Capito, you've got uh, some of the, oh gosh, man, another liberal, oh, Cook Collins, I've got to forget Collins. They're all saying no. They're all saying no, they won't, they won't vote on repeal. And there's one more, it's Portman, uh, Portman from Ohio. So they're all saying no on straight repeal, which they, and three of them voted yes on straight repeal just, uh, what was it, 18, 18, 19 months ago. So that, well, I think what's uh, an effort here is to force them onto the record is to say, okay, you were about repealing Obamacare uh, a little over a year and a half ago, but now you want to save Obamacare. Why? Well, then the, the, what uh, Leader McConnell's statement was at the very beginning, at the request of the president and the vice president. And, that, mm -hmm. and Chris, I can't underscore that enough. Don't think for a moment that the president is not 
fully invested in this project. I, I, I understand some of those statements have been made the past couple of days indicate that perhaps the White House has moved on. But my, my read is they have not. They're very engaged in this. I mean, the president, if nothing else, the president is a closer. And some days that's what you lack in the, in the House and, and certainly in the Senate. But the president is someone who can close the deal. That is what I heard Leader McConnell saying at the request of the president, at the request of the vice president, he is going to hold a vote. Um, I think that vote is a motion to, to proceed on on the House bill, which would then be amended to a full repeal. That's what they were talking about, uh, what has been 36 hours ago, but uh, uh, there may be more recent inform- information than that. We talked to uh, uh, a health care expert yesterday, asked her that what she thought her name was sally pipes if she thought if the republicans yeah if the republicans focused rather than appeasing the insurance companies who you know they we all know they wrote obamacare they jumped in bed with barack obama to force us to buy their product and they they supported obamacare which is a colossal failure if let me ask you this way do you think it's appropriate for the insurance companies to have a seat at this table and, and repeal of obamacare and what's going to replace it well, you know, I don't know that it's that simple. I will tell you this. I mean, I have heard precious little out of any insurance company as we've been going through this process since the, since this Congress was sworn in. The one issue where I have heard from insurance companies is on something called the cost-sharing cost reduction. You've heard that referred to several times in, in mm-hmm. the president's talks. Uh, the cost-sharing reductions are, are dollars, $7 billion each year that are important to insurance companies because they hold the, artificially hold the price of the product down. As you know, the marketplace would not work if it didn't have the infusion of federal money and the requirement that the, by the IRS that you buy these, uh, these products that are not valuable to people. So, yeah, the cost-sharing reduction is something I have heard on, but the rest of uh, the input from insurance companies, now they may have been talking to the majority leader, they may have been talking to the uh, Speaker of the House, but they've not been, uh, certainly not been talking to me. Yeah, all of the all of the prescriptions. By the way, folks, we're talking to Congressman Michael Burgess, 26th District in the great state of Texas. Uh, I was listening to Rush Limbaugh uh, just yesterday, who took a phone call from an individual who said, we've got to pass a bill. And you've heard these these talking points before that allows these insurance companies to to sell across state lines. And the dirty little secret is the insurance companies don't want that. The last and we're, we're coming to realize that the insurance companies uh, when they signed on to this this Obamacare monstrosity, they abandoned um, American free enterprise. They abandoned American capitalism, and they are they are wedded to this idea that they des- they are deserving of American taxpayer money to subsidize their business. So they don't want to compete across state lines. They don't want to be legitimate American businesses. They want to jump in bed with government and have this money flowing into their coffers, whether they earn it or not. And again, I'm, I'm going to re-ask my question. Do you think they deserve a seat at this table as we proceed forward trying to rescue this country from the bill that they themselves wrote together with Barack Obama? Do they deserve a seat at the table? Well, Chris, I don't know that I can answer the question. What I will tell you is they have not, at least in, in the world in which I work, they have not been at the table. They've, they've come in the office maybe once or twice to talk about preserving the cost-sharing reductions. That's actually between the president and them. The House, remember, sued President Obama to stop the cost-sharing reduction payments. Uh, President Trump has elected to make those payments month by month. But when he talks about the possibility of allowing the insurance market to collapse, that's to what he is referring, the ability to, for him 
to say we're making no more of these payments. And with the cost sharing reductions, I think the insurance companies understand their market gets in, in, a, in very difficult very quickly. Last question I have for you. Uh, if Let's just say for argument's sake the repeal bill goes through. Uh, straight repeal. Let's just say uh, Murkowski can't handle the pressure and Collins. Well, Collins won't won't cave. She's a she's a leftist. Um, but let's just say that it actually goes through. And the idea is that Democrats will then once Obamacare is gone, then Democrats will have incentive to come to the table and work together with Republicans to come up with something that should have been done to begin with when Obama started this whole thing, which was a consensus bill of both political parties. Give me your political read. Do you think Democrats will do that? It's a beautiful story. I don't think it will happen right away. I don't think it will happen right away, and, and I don't fool myself. And, and in fact, when, when we were sworn into this Congress, I thought we were going back to that repeal, uh, that reconciliation repeal that we did in 2015 that President Obama vetoed. But uh, there was never any, any illusion that I was under. We would have to do this with Republican-only votes going forward. At some point, at some point, yes, you will, you will begin to draw in Democrats, but... If you've, if you've taken the individual mandate off the table, the employer mandate off the table, I'm okay with, uh, with beginning to talk to people. What scares me to death is people saying, well, let's work with the Democrats to, to fix the problems in Obamacare. That means they're leaving the individual mandate. Chris, that redefines the relationship between the government and the governed. And yep. as long as that is part of this discussion, there's no way in the world you're ever getting smaller government. There's no way in the world you're ever getting individual patient-centered control of your health care again. It is up Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Congressman and Dr. Michael Burgess, everybody, the 26th district in the great state of Texas. Sir, uh, you have the line of the day. It's a beautiful story. Thank you very much for being here on the Salcedo <laughs> Show. Chris. All right. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Telephone number is uh, 800 uh, did I get that right? I, you know what? I, I, am so, I am so phobic now of saying the wrong phone number because I do, you know, as you all know, I do three radio shows a day. So I don't want you calling the right or the wrong number. So I want to make sure I give you the right number. 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. We get back. Uh, delusions of grandeur. Uh, maybe you can call it that. Maybe you can call, you know, typically our political opposition lives in la-la land anyway. Uh, somebody in Democrat leadership, a guy who admitted when he was elected for the very first time into the position he holds, he admitted to his constituency that he had no idea what he was doing. And then he got reelected. <laughs> He's having a good time pretending I'll tell you, I'll explain everything. Trust me. It's coming up next. Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. Hell, storms are coming. It's not just a show. It's a force of nature. Hashtag Salcedo Storm. The Chris Salcedo Show on The Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo. To follow up on, and I have to pull you, draw you out on. You said you don't have to lie anymore now that you're not a politician. 
What did you lie about when you were governor? Well, it's all a lie. You, you what did you, you lie about? What did you lie about? All right, now here's what. You run for office and the assumption is, oh, I know what to do. You don't. I didn't have a plan for California. Clinton doesn't have a so plan. So you said you had Bush a plan. You said plan. you had a plan for California well, and you lied the, because you, know, you didn't you have a plan. You're gonna you say you're going to lower taxes, you're going to put people to work, you're going to improve the schools. The schools are going to stop crime. Crime is up. Schools are worse. Taxes are higher. I mean, be real. And then the dumbasses in California reelected him. <laughs> That's Jerry Brown, everybody. He held the governorship in California, got out of office, admitted to the whole country he didn't know what the hell he was doing. And the folks in California reelected the douchebag. <laughs> I, I, I don't get it. Don't, don't ask me to explain it. But, you know, they're so cute at that age. Governor Jerry Brown is pretending he's pretending he's president. He's, he's in the world of make-believe. He and a couple of other states, he's led this effort for California and a couple other states to adhere to the Paris Climate Accord. They have pledged to hurt their state's economies <laughs> in defiance of Donald Trump, to which I'm off. And you guys know me. I'm big states rights guy. I believe in the marketplace of ideas that if Californians want to elect a guy who didn't know what the hell he was doing the first time, go ahead and reelect him. If they want to elect a guy who's acting kind of like a man child, I wouldn't pretend to be president. I'm Jerry Brown. I am. I declare, Jerry Brown, I declare that we're going to follow the Paris Climate Accord. We're going to hurt California's economy because we love the earth. Whatever. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm pretending. I'm. They're so cute at that age, are they not, ladies and gentlemen? Governor Moonbeam out in California playing president, playing pretend. Uh, speaking of those who make a living out of pretending. What about Chucky Schumer or Chuck Toomer yesterday? <laughs> we changed his name to Chuck Toomer. He's a big advocate of the cancer of Obamacare. So we'll <laughs> Senator Chuck Toomer, everybody. He, he got on the Senate floor and, and said this. Early on, the majority leader told Democrats, we don't need you. We don't want you. Respectfully, I take issue with the idea Democrats didn't want to engage on health care. Really? You take issue with that? Well, let's look back, shall we? Let's look back uh, on the headlines. Let me go to the Washington Examiner in December of last year. Schumer says Democrats won't help GOP with Obamacare replacement. I don't know. Sounds kind of sounds straightforward to me. From Bloomberg, same month, last year. Senate Democrats reject GOP overtures on replacing Obamacare. <laughs> sounds like that wasn't Mitch McConnell. It sounds like Democrats were rejecting joining in. Let me take you back to March of this year, where the Senate minority leader said, quote, all Republicans in the House and Senate should hear this. Democrats will not help Republicans repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act in one phase, two phases, or three phases. So here comes Chuck Toomer <laughs> claiming that he was shut out. I take issue with the idea Democrats didn't want to engage on health care. The majority leader admitted that he decided the matter for us 
when he locked Democrats out of the process at the outset. I don't think he did that. As a matter of fact, that's all you people have been saying, you Democrats, that you don't want to be any part of this. Has anybody awakened Chuck, uh, I'm sorry, uh, what's his name? Uh, Shepard Smith about this? Maybe Shepard Smith, I don't know. I'm not. I'm just, I'm just, Shep, I'm just teasing. And Jerry Brown, I was really serious about what I said about you. You really are the world's biggest screw up. Uh, I'll be back. Hour two, ladies and gentlemen. We'll talk more about Obamacare. And we talk to a Democrat about these things. It's all coming up in the Salcedo Show. This is the Chris Salcedo Show. Part of the next generation of talk radio. This is the Blaze Radio Network. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, hour two is underway here on the Chris Salcedo Show. Glad you've tuned in. Telephone number? 888-900-3393. We will continue our discussion on what's going on with this attempted repeal and replace of of Obamacare. Uh, Well, we're hearing differing word now. Is it going to be a straight repeal vote next week? Will it be a repeal and replace with basically the Obamacare repair bill? What's it going to be? But I, I don't think we can ignore how we got here. And the reason why America is in this precarious position is because of Democrats. Exclusively because of Democrats. You don't believe me? Let's ask Chuck Schumer, the leader of the Democrats, back in 2014 when he was reflecting on the passage of Obamacare. Democrats blew the opportunity. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me, let me just, I didn't have that turned up. Let me just recue that. Democrats blew the opportunity the American people gave them. We took their mandate and put all of our focus on the wrong problem, health care reform. Now, the plight of uninsured Americans and the hardships caused by unfair insurance company practices certainly needed to be addressed. But it wasn't the change we were hired to make. So did Shep Smith or any of the other basket of bias press call Mr. Schumer out on this? Yeah, Mr. Schumer, you've, you're out there alleging that you that this this was the wrong move by Democrats in 2014 you said this was the wrong move by Democrats now you're fighting like hell to keep Obamacare well what is it Democrats blew the opportunity the American people gave them we took their mandate and put all of our focus on the wrong problem yeah isn't that kind of what Isn't that the the job description of every Democrat, focusing on the wrong problem? Put all of our focus on the wrong problem, health care reform. And it wasn't health care reform, it was actually health insurance reform, if we want to be precise, Chuck Schumer. And I know that's not your stock and trade, sir, so we will um, forego that. Uh, Yesterday we played this soundbite for you, the President of the United States saying that he doesn't own this. And he's right. He doesn't, and the Republican Party doesn't own the failures of Obamacare. And I think you'll also uh, agree that I've been saying for a long time, let Obamacare fail, and then everybody's going to have to come together and fix it. 
and uh, come up with a new plan and a plan that's really good for the people with much lower premiums, much lower costs, and much better protection. I've been saying that, Mike, I think you'll agree for a long time. Let Obamacare fail, it'll be a lot easier. And I think we're probably in that position where we'll just let Obamacare fail. Uh, we're not going to own it. I'm not going to own it. I can tell you the Republicans are not going to own it. Now, despite what Shep Smith would tell you, the Democrats own it. Uh, the Republicans didn't impose this on the country. The, the Republicans didn't vote for this in any capacity for the country. Now, if you want to blame them for not getting rid of this cancer, Shep Smith and others, I think that's fair. That the Republican Party has shown they didn't do their work. Republican Party has shown that um, uh, many of these Republicans actually believe in Barack Obama's vision for America in a socialist paradise. That it's perfectly appropriate for a uh, taxpayer money to go to a an industry and uh, and subsidize an industry and and it's it's a lot of things that's not free market that's for sure so the vice president upon upon hearing this latest setback he was well he was pretty ticked inaction is not an option congress needs to step up congress needs to do their job and congress needs to do their job now well i couldn't agree i mean lisa murkowski rob portman and Shelley Capito. I mean, if if they could stop peeing their pants long enough and recognize the damage that Obamacare is doing, why would you want to keep any part of that bill? The pre-existing conditions is what drives the cost through the roof for everybody. So what you're saying, in essence, if you're Shelley Moore Capito or you're uh, Portman or you're and we know how Susan Collins, she's a leftist, she believes this stuff. Or Lisa Murkowski is that as a Republican, you're saying that it is every taxpayer around the country's responsibility to subsidize people who get sick. And I have said this, that I believe that a solution to this is the purchase of low-cost which used to be anyway, before Obama got a hold of it, low-cost, catastrophic loss. Catastrophic loss coverage. Pennies on the dollar to what Obamacare is costing us. That way nobody will ever go bankrupt for the cancer diagnosis. Now, how do you continue to cover them afterward? Well, they're going to have to go into a pool after they either get cured of cancer or they get or they recover from the bus crash they're going to have to go into a uh, a pool that has that is slightly more expensive because they are a risk but the democrat mantra is that uh everybody everybody is owed money paid for or services paid for by somebody else um because people get sick through no fault of their own. Well, there are a lot of things that happen to no fault of our own. Doesn't mean that it's the responsibility of my neighbor to take on that burden. Now, if my neighbor wants to voluntarily write a check or a private organization wants to go ahead and write a check, that's, that's all well and good. But to force the American people 
to go through a government program where, of course, government will take its, will skim off its required kickback right off the top of taxpayer money. The most inefficient way to help anybody is through a government program, through a massive government program. So creating another entitlement, another massive bureaucracy is, is not the answer. Empowering communities to take care of these things themselves, that is the answer. But if government must get involved to prevent, and if, and, and if, and if you do need to give a payoff to the insurance companies, and I brought this up yesterday and I forgot to follow through with it, there is one caveat I could, I could be persuaded to have universal catastrophic loss coverage paid for by the government for that population that can't afford it themselves. If you have catastrophic loss through your insurer, which most of us who have it through our, through our uh, employer, you, you won't need this provision. But if, um, if you don't and you want insurance, then the federal government could pay for a catastrophic loss policy upon, on your behalf, either through a tax credit or some other means, uh, and you would be covered in case of the cancer diagnosis, in case of the, the building falling on top of your head. You understand? And that way, it wouldn't be an onerous, oppressive, non-cost-effective burden to your fellow citizens. It'd be a reasonable precaution to make sure that our the, the vulnerable citizens, those who can't afford it and who want it, are covered from being wiped out by a catastrophic illness or a catastrophic accident. And in that narrow circumstance, I think the American people would, would sign on to it. And again, only in that circumstance and in language that, could, that, that is written, that any attempts, and this is, this is what should have been written into Medicaid, any attempts to add a different population onto this insurance role will result in the negation of the law and the cancelization of the, and the canceling of the law, the cancel the cancellation of the law, so that nobody will screw around with it in the future and try to put more debt burden on the taxpayer of the United States the way Obama did with Medicaid. Lumber McClure, I'm just going to throw fi over 15 million people on Medicaid. It's going to be fine. Yeah, says who? No, it wasn't fine. It was far from fine. It was, it took a, a program that cost American taxpayers 2% of the budget to 10% of the budget. Billions of dollars. And nobody asked us. President Obama and the Democrats just did it. We'll ask uh, a Democrat about this when we interview him at the bottom of the hour about everything that's going on here. It's Chris Salcedo's show right here on The Blaze. Be right back. This is The Chris Salcedo Show. Only on The Blaze Radio Network.
Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. We just simply do not have 50 senators who can agree. What we do have is a vote that many of us made um, two years ago. I am ready to make that complete repeal vote again. If you're not willing to vote the same way you voted in 2015, then you need to go back home and you need to explain to Republicans why you're no longer for repealing Obamacare. As you all know, Mitch McConnell has not been my favorite Republican. Uh, Mitch McConnell hasn't even been my favorite person as he has sought to blame all manner of of things on the Republicans' failure to connect with their message, including conservative talk radio. I, I really have a hard time looking beyond what Mitch did by trying to throw us under the bus for his caucus's in, ineffectiveness and his ineffective leadership. That being said, he stood up yesterday with uh, Senators Barrasso and, and Rand Paul and basically said that. And ba- It seems to me there is agreement among Rand Paul, the Republicans, even some conservatives, of where the problem is in this whole debate, and it's the moderates. It's the big government Republicans and even Mitch McConnell, who, again, who has never struck me as a rock ribbed conservative, died in the wool conservative constitutionalist. Even he can't cover for the Lisa Murkowski's, the Shelley Moore Capitos or the Rob Portman's anymore. He didn't even try with Susan Collins. But they got up the three of them yesterday at the same podium and said that. So that this tells me, you know, because you didn't see Susan Collins and and Lisa Murkowski and Mitch McConnell up there um, uh, saying the same thing, indicating that it was Rand Paul and Ted Cruz and and the conservatives who were the problem here. The holdouts are the Republicans who think they can administer big government and just better than the Democrats can the Lisa Murkowski's of the world who have no problem taking your money out of your pocket. Just, just that as long as she's in charge and not a Democrat, uh, same thing with Shelly Capito. Is it Capito or Capito? I've always called her Shelly more Capito, but I've been hearing other people saying cat Capito doesn't matter. Senator from West Virginia who is a progressive by all indications. And then Portman, who is all wobbly in the knees out there in Ohio, that he's terribly afraid that uh, his constituents are going to have stuff taken away from them that many of his constituents didn't deserve to begin, didn't deserve to get to begin with. And, I, and of course, I'm talking about those in the Medicaid expansion. They weren't deserving of it. Medicaid was founded for the poor and the vulnerable, not for those two to 400% of the poverty level, not able-bodied people, but Rob Portman's going, going to town to make sure that money, your money, keeps flowing to Ohio. And 
I can I can understand it to a point right up until the point it stops being American. Right up until the point where it starts being collectivist and socialist and Venezuelan and Cuban in nature. About this government is the the arbiter of how to redistribute wealth. I just don't believe in it. And Rob Porton apparently has become a convert. Lisa Murkowski, a convert. Shelley Moore Capito. And let's be honest, Susan Collins, <laughs> she didn't, didn't take much convincing. She is a Democrat with... Uh, uh, she's, she's basically the equivalent of Senator Joe Manchin. She's Joe Manchin with an R in front of her name. And Joe Manchin, to be quite frank, is a is a Republican with a with a D in front of his name. At what passes for a Republican, so they occupy that universe. Uh, Matt Schlapp was on Fox News Channel yesterday talking about what Obamacare is and what what the GOP betrayal of repealing this thing really means. We just simply do not have 50 Oops. senators who can... Wrong one. Sorry. Here's Matt. There was a great tweet that Phil Kirpin sent out today, which said, uh, gotta love the GOP. They're all for repealing Obamacare as long as Obama's there to veto it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Charles says this is an epic fail. Uh, I think this is an epic lie on, on some Republicans' behalf. They went around this country for seven years saying that they wanted to repeal Obamacare. Replace was added in uh, because of the politics of reality where when you're talking about health care, you're talking about people's lives. And I think it's fair for people to say, I got to know how to plan for my health burden because it comes down to my kids' life, my, my family's lives. Yeah, about that whole live issue, I, I think he's, he's absolutely correct. I mean, Murkowski, Portman, and uh, uh, Capito all voted to repeal Obamacare. A few short months ago. And now they're going to, now all of a sudden they can't. And you know, you know what Rob Portman's excuse is? Well, we have no, uh, we have several counties in Ohio now that don't have any choice of insurers. So wait a minute, let me get this straight. You're going to vote to keep the law in place that resulted in Ohioans having no choice. <laughs> uh, be and your excuse is because there are now vulnerable populations that have been hurt by this law. You're going to keep it in place. That makes absolutely no sense in my mind. Now, keep in mind, this effort is, is a two-year process. It leaves Obamacare in place for two years. With war and, and it's plenty of warning to the insurance industry, get your act together. Start remembering how to compete and be an actual real American business. That being said, it was all about what is Obamacare? Obamacare is about taking millions of Americans and jamming them onto Medicaid, onto really a health care uh, insurance option that most people on Medicaid would like to be someplace else, right? And that was the solution. And it was a lot of taxes and it was a lot of mandates. It's me having to pay for a lot of things. I'd never want to have an insurance policy. And that's the big lie. What Republicans want to do is restate and stand up this private individual insurance market and yeah they want to do that they should do that but you know who doesn't want to do that the traitorous insurance companies i brought it up with congressman burgess they they don't want to compete anymore these these companies these insurance companies they want it's it's like they were cut and pasted from from cuba 
cut and pasted from China. Cut and pasted from, just pick your socialist paradise anywhere around the globe. They're, they they cease to be American companies standing up for capitalism and freedom and liberty. What they must be made to do, in my humble opinion, by the Congress, they must be made to actually be American companies again. If they can't survive, they can't survive. It means they don't deserve it. Uh, we'll talk to a Democrat about all this, about the Obamacare repeal and replace. Coming up next on The Salcedo Show. You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze on the Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. I am your liberty-loving Latino. Do not confuse me with loudmouth leftist Latinos out there. I actually love the country. We'll get to your calls here in a minute, but want to get to our next guest, New York State Assembly Member Michael Blake. He was born in the Bronx uh, to Jamaican immigrants. He is the second term uh, in his second term, representing the 79th district. There, he's a vice chair at the DNC. Sir, welcome to the Chris Salcedo Show. Chris, great to, to be with you. All right, so let's first off, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you get political right off the bat because I think this is this is something that, that we in the conservative movement and Democrats by and large can all agree on this absolute cluster that the Republicans have have engaged in in their attempt to repeal Obamacare after this latest colossal failure of the GOP. What is your reaction, sir? We've been very clear, the Democratic Party, that there is. Uh, no reason at all uh, we should be taking away someone's health care. You know, the proposals that have come forth from Mitch McConnell, from Donald Trump, from Paul Ryan, uh, from Mike Pence have been rooted specifically on repealing health care. Uh, 22 million people at a minimum losing health care. Higher estimates say it'll be up to 32 million if you have just a full-on repeal. So what we have regularly said is bring Democrats to the table. Let's have a real conversation on how to improve health care. Let's find ways to bring down the cost. But it is, it is absolutely unacceptable that someone would be trying to take away your health care. And, and let's be clear to everyone, what has happened recently is not the end. You still have Mitch McConnell and Senate Republicans who are now saying, let's not have a conversation about repeal and replace. They now want to have a vote just to repeal and possibly replace later. It's unacceptable. We cannot allow it. Uh, too many people will lose their health care. We can't allow that to occur. Right. Uh, okay. So now, now let's you and I drill down into, into, into some of the ways maybe to working toward a solution and what we can ag- agree on and disagree on. You mentioned uh, taking people's insurance away, and you made reference to the 22 million people that, that were cited by the CBO. Uh, Zeke Emanuel, one of the architects of Obamacare, got on Fox News Sunday uh, this last weekend and said that over 15 million of those folks were added to Medicaid by the Obamacare legislation. These are able-bodied people, anywhere from 200 to 400% of poverty level. Does the Democrat Party think it's, it's okay to add able-bodied individuals to a program that was set up to handle the needy uh, and the poor and the vulnerable. Why, and isn't that changing the deal uh, after the fact? And, and why do the Democrats think that's appropriate? It's not. So let's be very clear. Medicaid in particular is for low-income communities. 
So well, let's make sure we're not con- conflating the, the, the different phrases. Someone can be physically able, uh, however, be struggling economically. And so the challenge that has happened in many of the states, the reason why costs have gone up is because Republican governors pushed back and rejected Medicaid expansion in several of their states. So when you look at the challenge right now, which there has been no clear response whatsoever from the Republican leadership on, is why would you have cuts and removal to Medicaid, which would then put more pressure on the states who already rejected it previously, which, Chris, you and I can at least, I think, acknowledge, if you have less competition in the states, what will then happen? Costs will go up even further. Costs are going up in the states because the states, when Republican governors in the states, did not have expansion of Medicaid. So let's, again, let's convey. Well, hold if on. Well, well, I just afford, want you to address but, the, the fact there, there are those out there who are saying, Michael, that that these individuals who have been thrown onto Medicaid, they were not the individuals that Medicaid was created to support. These are these are people 200 to 400 percent of the of the poverty line. And they are not they don't fit the definition that that Medicaid was passed under. They were added on there as a political convenience and they don't belong on there. What do you say to that? I completely reject the, the political convenience argument of someone being added on. Uh, just for some willy-nilly opportunity. The reality is people are being added into states for a variance of reasons. Maybe you are added onto a plan because you fell into uh, a challenge economically over a period of time, which allowed you to qualify at that time. Maybe you were added onto a plan because there were no other alternatives in that state. Maybe you were added onto the plan because of your spouse. Maybe you were added onto that plan because of your age being below 26. Maybe you were added onto the plan because of pre-existing conditions. There are a range of different reasons why someone could have been added. And so we can't just unilaterally say, well, you know, you've had some progress two years ago, a year ago, today, two years from now, and therefore it, it, it disqualifies why you should have been accepted into Medicaid. What brings us to the today is a clear challenge. The clear focus proposal from the Republicans has been, let's have cuts to Medicaid, which fundamentally, well, this is not just about but this it's is not about, a cut. It's not a cut core. when you don't, it's not a cut when the, when the it cost is, is, still goes up to the taxpayer. It's no, not no, a cut. Again, again, no, no, it is because the reality is the, 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 first of all, let's game this out. The tax cuts that are being proposed in the, in the bill are for the wealthiest communities. Over $250,000, over $500,000. You tie that with simultaneously a, a challenge where you will then not have Medicaid expansion happening in the state. Well, no, so I you understand have, that, but I, 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 gotta, I don't get too far in the weeds, but uh, into but, this. But, 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 but again, have, those who are on the upper income level are also the ones paying. Also the ones on the upper income level, Michael, are the ones paying the freight. Let me, let me, let me reintroduce you. New York State Assembly member Michael that. Blake, folks, is our, he is our guest right now. He's a vice chair at the DNC. Last thing I want to get to before I get to your, your voter initiative, because I wanted to make sure to get that in there. Uh, th- th- this bipartisan effort, it, it, let's just say for argument's sake that the Republicans get their act together. I know it's a big if. Let's say they get their act together and their appeal happens. Will the Democrats assist in coming up with, a, with what many people believe Obama should have done to begin with, was to get a bipartisan consensus bill done rather than having it passed through with Democrat votes only? If Donald Trump says, hey, let's get together and put together a consensus bill, will Democrats say yes? If if there is a bill that takes off the table the the, the repeal and is actually focused on reducing costs. No, 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 no. I I said if it it gets repealed, 
if 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 Obamacare is repealed and then we've got to move forward, will Democrats come to the table and help? It is a non. It's a non-starter. You can't say let's repeal let's repeal health care, and then let's just figure out a, a new system to put in. It took decades to finally get a bill done. Let's go back to your original point that you raised, Chris. The reason why we had to go through reconciliation is because Mitch McConnell and the Republican leadership were not agreeing on any votes that were coming before us when President Obama was in office. Well, you so know, again, I don't, I don't want to relitigate all that because like, I've got to get to another thing that, that your folks wanted Absolutely. me to talk about, which is this press conference is going to be held at the, the DNC Commission, to what you guys call the DNC Commission to protect American democracy from the Trump administration. Uh, explain that to us, if you will. So this, this is a, a clear uh, uh, pushback on what is being proposed from the, the Trump administration um, as relates to, to voting. They, they consistently have been saying that there's this voter fraud effort that is happening in the country, which is just empirically not accurate at all. Uh, and then the request as it relates to requesting personal data, which was soundly rejected by Republican and Democratic uh, Secretary of State across the country, uh, because for a whole host of reasons, you don't, people don't want to share their individual data. So we launched the Commission on Protecting American Democracy from the Trump administration to combat what's happening here, this misinformation campaign and this voter suppression effort, very clearly. First off, in that way. I, I, yeah, the, the information that was requested by the Trump administration was public data, number one. Number two, it, I got to ask... Actually, again, that's, Chris, again, that's just not accurate. One of the things that was requested was Social Security numbers, the ending of Social Security numbers. That's not the last data. four digits of the Social Security but, number, but, yes. But, which but again, is, let's, let's be clear, that's not public data. I mean, we, we're, there, why would you want Social Security data of any sort? Well, I can tell you why, because the, those who are ineligible to vote don't have Social Security numbers. Last thing I wanted to talk to you about on this, when you say that this doesn't exist, was, was ACORN a figment of the American people's imagination, what they had done, had, had done the systematic voter fraud, that, and, and it caused them to disband? Was that a, was that a figment of everybody's imagination? The, the, the figment of imagination, which has been debunked repeated times, through the Brennan Center, through the Washington Post articles, through the study that came out uh, two years ago, which said in a 14-year span that voter fraud happened less than 0.00002% of the time. Do Are there incredibly limited instances that happen where it could be, whether it be re registration challenges, uh, whether it be uh, old, all old roles? Yes, in incredibly limited instances. However, right. what was stated by Donald Trump last year was that there were millions of non-citizens voting, which was completely debunked. As All right, well, then we'll, we'll see where the commission goes. Hey, my, Michael, I'm up against the clock. I know what you, uh, you know that, what that's like. A New York State Assemblyman, uh, Michael Blake, everybody from the DNC, he's a vice chair there. Hey, I appreciate the conversation, sir. Thanks for being here on the South Sabre Show. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. All right, telephone numbers, 888 When we get back, a story that I uh, that is one of these stories that unfolds. We told you guys about it a couple of weeks ago, but it's gaining steam as more and more people hear about it and the frustration and the anger grows at the Canadian Prime Minister. Back in a minute, the Salcedo Show, right here on The Blaze. Conservative Talk Radio with Spice. The Chris Salcedo Show, only on The Blaze Radio Network.
You're taking in a little Latin flair with Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network. Did you guys hear about this kid walking around on trails in New Mexico? He trips and falls. He's 10 years old. He trips and falls. And Jude Sparks fell literally over a 1.2 million year old skull of a stegomastodon, a fossil from the Pleistocene era. And uh, what a find. Just walking out there tooling around in New Mexico. And so the, uh, uh, I guess it was New Mexico State University, goes out there, digs it up, does all kinds of special treatment to it, and gets it back uh, for study and reassembly. Stegomastodon. Uh, guess it's similar to an elephant. So, uh, and, and he just tripped over it. And if you look at the picture, it's just sitting there on a path. The jaw of the thing, it looks like it's a lower jaw, just sticking out there. Uh, waiting for somebody to trip over it, I guess. Uh, Canada, we, we brought you this story about what's going on up there, how President Obama let a terrorist out of Gitmo, a terrorist that killed an American serviceman and blinded another and returned him to his home in Canada where he was going to be taken care of. Well, he... He got taken care of, and Fox News Channel describes exactly what happened. You know, this is a story with two sides to it, but I think most people are falling on one side of this. Americans, Canadians, both sides of the aisle cannot understand why a convicted terrorist was awarded eight million bucks years after killing a U.S. soldier on the battlefield in Afghanistan. Baffling as it might be, the fact remains that Canada has agreed to pay former Guantanamo prisoner Omar Khadr a reported $8 million and then apologized to him, saying his civil rights were violated when he was held at Guantanamo Bay, even though that's a military installation owned by the United States. You heard right. Uh, the man who runs Canada, the statist who runs Canada, who couldn't say enough good things about the murderous thuggish regime of the Castros down in Cuba. This same guy has awarded a convicted terrorist with American blood in his hands eight million bucks. Eight million bucks. And also apologized to him because he had his rights violated, alleges the Canadian Prime Minister. Isn't Canada supposed to be an ally of the United States? Canada's leftist prime minister, Justin Trudeau, supports this settlement. In 2002, Cotter was just 15 years old, an al-Qaeda follower that threw a grenade during a firefight in Afghanistan. The explosion killed Special Forces medic Army Sergeant Christopher Spear on the left and blinded soldier Lane Morris, who was on Fox and Friends recently. I don't know what kind of sick, twisted ivory tower Mr. Trudeau has to live in to find that this, uh, that this makes any kind of sense. But to those of us down here on the street who are walking around, this totally sucks. Uh, there's, there's, it's just crazy that you'd give somebody like that $8 million because his feelings got hurt. Yeah, well, you know, you got to understand, sir, uh, that first off, Justin Trudeau doesn't respect the United States as much as he respects regimes like like uh, Cuba's Castro regime, or even, as it appears, radicalized Islamic fundamentalist terrorists. I mean, there are degrees to which Mr. Trudeau respects. And his neighbor to the south, the United States of America, apparently isn't held in high regard 
as the Prime Minister of Canada slaps every American in the face by awarding a terrorist who killed one of our own and blinded another $8 million and also the apology of the Canadian government. A man who was blinded by that grenade right there, Tabitha Spear, the widow of Sergeant Spear, won a $134 million wrongful death default judgment against Cotter two years ago in Utah, but she's not going to see a dime, neither will the kids, since a judge in Canada, where Cotter lives, refuses to freeze his assets so that that judgment in Utah can be given away. Our buddy Jack Buckby has mused and observed, and we have been seeing this with ever more frequent and troubling regularity. This unholy alliance between liberal progressive Democrats in this country and whatever the heck they call statists of in Canada and radical Islam. This is evidence of it and it ought to be condemned. And remember everybody, a society's worth is not measured by how much power is seized by an out of control government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Have a fantastic day back here tomorrow, three o'clock Eastern for the Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. We will see you then. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you.